and welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. I'm Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we have with us Dustin Thonstenson. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about learn by doing, not by talking, uh, favoring ADHD and uh, improving interpersonal skills. But first, Dustin, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about why you're here? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I've, I've really enjoyed the work that you guys are doing. Um, enjoyed the podcast, enjoyed the Twitter feed. Uh, really excited to be here. So uh, my personal mantra is understand, be understood. And uh, it's simple, but it's really hard. And I've learned um, that I really need to try to listen and try to understand other people first before trying to make myself be heard or understood. And if I want to be understood, I have to try to find a uh, a good way to try to connect with people. So what I'm saying or what I'm trying to communicate resonates with them. So that that's probably the core thing that really uh, drives me. Uh, my background, I've been a developer for probably a few decades now, uh, professionally for over two decades. A uh, lot of programming in there, a lot of development in, in many different platforms. Um, I've been on some amazing teams, teams that just seem to work extremely well. And, uh, and I've been on some really bad teams. I've, I've had the environment where, you know, we're showing up to work in a basement before the sun comes up and even after it goes down and you realize that you didn't see the sun for a week. And, uh, and then you, uh, you see the impacts that bad teams have on, on people, you know, with, uh, you know, medical issues, you know, the anxiety and the, uh, the depression and the uh, substance abuse issues and the family issues and suicides. And you, you've seen the worst that software development can have on people. And when you've been able to experience uh, some of the best, you really want to help other people appreciate that. So the thing that really kind of drives me is to take some of the experiences that I've had in wonderful teams and, and help make sure that that environment for other people is there so they can be their best. You know, I don't, I don't like when they blame the seed and they, they say the seed is bad when the soil isn't there to support them. So that, that's kind of the thing that really motivates me uh, through my career. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into uh, our first topic, the learn by doing, not by talking. Yeah. So I'm not, um, I'm not probably one of the guests that you normally had here where they've got like that one model that they're pitching and and they've got that one uh you know fix all solution of not selling books on mobbing but as i've learned about it i've i've tried to implement it in a lot of different ways and i found some successes with it and i think that the uh the doing part just seemed to work so much better i've done coaching uh technical coaching and leadership coaching at several different companies over the years working with teams they want to talk 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 and they want to be able to kind of logically make sense of everything and, and review all the processes and what about all these scenarios um and and i've really learned that just getting people together and doing the work seems to have such a, an, an amazing impact um the code katas or katas have been very instrumental in that because at least we would have a uh a, a smaller experiment zone. Um, my previous client, we would set up two hours a week with each team, whether it be a single two hour session or some teams wanted to do it for, you know, a half hour every morning or, you know, two on whatever they wanted. Uh, but to just get people together and say, we're going to try to work this way and have it be safe 
and then allow them to kind of go back in their own area and do whatever they felt they needed to, if they needed to divide and conquer, because that's how the stories were built and that's what the deadline stated, whatever, but to have some some safe experiments where they got to practice some of it, um, I found that that was, was pretty beneficial and, and just kind of seemed to become natural over time. Nice, nice, right on. Yeah, so I could definitely see that with uh, with katas because you uh, you get together, you work on a problem together. Uh, how have you? How has this learn by doing approach impacted uh, when you join a new team or a new project? Uh, how's that philosophy impacted that? I think I think again, it, it does break down that barrier of trying to. Um, think through all scenarios and, and talk through all the possibilities and, and try to make sure that there's not going to be any blame place because somebody forgot to check about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I've sat in uh, design reviews where people are arguing over the SQL for a database that hasn't even been created yet. So, so joining on the new teams, just getting the hands on and arguing through the code instead of about the code uh, seems to allow some people to release a little bit of that hesitation to say, all right, fine, we'll, we'll try it. And then once it starts working, you can, you know, change the conversation a bit. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've had similar experiences where, you know, it's a, it's a big kind of back and forth verbally, but you could have created an example database with both scenarios and just, you know, you would have ended the conversation a long time before uh and so um kind of settling these impasses uh can can very easily be done you know it's like you know try both ideas uh you know or do both i think is is something that we um we practice pretty regularly uh because it's it's good for everybody to see all of those examples anyway um and then you can uh you know kind of elaborate on that so yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've been finding too, is uh, I've been, it's not always wrong to have a small discussion about that. That can be a really fruitful thing as long as the keyword small. Right. But yeah. I've also been trying like uh, just, okay, let's try it. You know, before even having the discussion is just, let's try it. And what I've found is that often if I had any concerns, they melt away or they become so obvious that it's, you don't even have to say a whole lot. <laughs> And, and the group is acknowledging it as it's happening. Um, if there's some contention, um, it usually doesn't go away completely, but it's um, the people standing their ground tends to soften and melt away as you go, um, as, as more experiments are run. And uh, so I, it's just been really fruitful for me. And I'm glad it has been for you as well. Um, and I guess another area of learn by doing that jumps out to me is, uh, uh, you had here listed reduced meetings. So uh, how do you how do you how do you accomplish that, or how is that related to uh, learn by doing for you? <laughs> yeah, that's been another one of them too. Where you know, as as we're talking through things, to change the conversation to say you mean like this, and you start actually coding it, and somebody else goes, no, 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 like this. Those those examples are good, and they get people kind of in their natural state, like writing the code and doing it. Um, I've noticed that after we do that a little bit more, people know that we don't have to solve the problems in the meeting anymore. And there sometimes can be that decision on maybe the interface. 
what is it that we're really trying to accomplish here? Like, what does good look like? Sometimes you might even be able to stumble upon some BDD where, you know, they might they might start talking in terms of rough gherkin where they go, okay, well, in this context, when this thing happens, then we're expecting that. So if we can do it and get to this result, we're fine and, and roll back and get into the code instead of, you know, deciding which React framework is going to help us and, and do we do things native or, you know, or do we have to have composites with everything? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, it becomes a good meeting or a working meeting as opposed to the uh, the death by meetings, bad meeting kind of thing, right? It's one where there's healthy conflict, there's experiments being run, you're trying stuff out, you're discovering, you know, and, and that's, uh, I, I like the, uh, the kind of return to hey, me meetings don't have to be a bad thing if they're done well, right? <laughs> and if you turn it in to the thing you're kind of talking about, maybe it's not called a meeting anymore in some people's mind, but hey, we're getting stuff done together and it's great. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe that's a good tie-in to because uh, you know, you're talking about doing stuff together as a group, whether it's practice code or real code or trying out ideas. Um, so how does that all play into uh, favoring ADHD? Uh, what do you mean there? <laughs> well, so I've, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD myself. Um, I graduated high school, like in the middle of the 90s. So, you know, this is, I didn't have any uh, gray hair before I had kids. So I don't know if it's the kids or the age that brought the gray hair on. But um, when I when I was tested in high school, they, they kind of noticed that Dustin was having problems paying attention. And, uh, and they test and they said, no, you don't have ADHD. So they weren't giving me any medication, but I've, I've always noticed that um, it, it's hard to focus sometimes. And especially when there's a lot of different things going on out there. And as I've recognized some of my own challenges, um, I've been a little bit more empathetic or, or in tune to the challenges that other people are having as well. So I would try to pay attention to people in conversations and stuff to see how long before they started to, to disconnect. Um, and, and I found like, I want to make it easy for people to disconnect and reconnect, but I also want to try to make the things small enough so you can follow through them and get to the next point and then pull back up. If you have to be at a planning level to say, okay, here's the next problem we're trying to solve and, and jump into it. I don't remember who, who it was, but there is that concept of like the, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it already. Uh, like that, that visual layout where you put the thing that you're trying to do and you break it out into the different steps on in Miro. And then you say, okay, here's the thing, then here's the thing, then here's the thing. And you, you blow all of them away when you're done. Uh, John Reed had introduced it to myself. I think that it might be a Llewellyn or Wellum thing as well. Uh, but, you know, just those little things to say, nope, this is the one thing that we're going to focus on and allow people to just focus the conversation there um, is, is rather helpful. And I recognize I'm given a very long answer to explain how short and simple <laughs> is good. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Here. So uh, what does it look like, um, you know, when learning skills, you know, or, or uh, you know, I think you kind of mentioned that attention spans are, are not getting longer. So, so you know, you're, you're in the work environment, you, you have a, a kind of a lot of, you know, new technical learning ahead of you. What does it mean to, to favor ADHD? Have you guys, are you guys on TikTok at all? Are you TikTokers? <laughs> 
<laughs> we are not. We are not. Have, have you looked at it? Have you gone out there and like scrolled through the memes? I have a yes. lot. Of, I, I have friends that link a lot of TikToks to me. I, 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 I don't particularly go out there to do those things. <laughs> I was scrolling through it the other night and it was so bam, 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 so quick. You know, like yeah. the person got slapped and the video was done as soon as the, the finger touched the skin. I mean, just like everything was just so quick. <laughs> and I grew up in the MTV generation where you know you would have like three scene cuts in a second but this is even faster Mm -hmm. and and i think that that's just where people's minds are um so so is that like you're writing a range act a certain you write your assertion and then all of a sudden the the tests run and you're off to the next test you can't can't (laughs) wait to look at it anymore (laughs) well i mean that is that that fast feedback is part of it but i think that we we definitely have a, a generation of people coming in that are are just like that more and as much as i would love to sit and talk through the ideas of an architecture and talk about all the different scenarios of when we want to do different things um you you can't Mm -hmm. so yeah we're able to just break that down and say here is the goal and here are the steps i i've got my notepad here i write things down all the time so every time i'm pairing or mobbing with somebody and they see that other thing i write it down put a little checkbox next to it. And I say, we'll get back to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I promise you, we're not going to be done with this story until all the boxes are checked, but let's just keep on that one thing for now. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, we that recently helps. did that, um, that episode uh, on the refactor, red, green refactor one. And, uh, you know, I think the one thing that came up during that was, um, you know, the, the, tendency to refactor wall red right and it's like mm-hmm. no stop like let's, let's let's talk about this for a second um and so yeah the, you know tab- tabling items for a while but i also think like um you know that's not necessarily a bad like it's not necessarily a bad thing to that things are getting smaller and smaller um you know as long as we have these you know really kind of bite-sized pieces and and we're we're constantly building it up because um, you know, it, it's almost akin to an evolution, uh, you, you know, over time uh, for evolving architecture. Um, you know, and I think while mobbing, it's pretty rare uh, for me to be in a very high level architectural discussion aside from, you know, we want to try and see if these few things work, you know, and then move on. But, you know, I also think that's probably a lot of uh, baked in architectural experience that um you know general design patterns are known to a few on the team and so those kind of popcorn around and then all of a sudden you're moving forward so it's pretty good stuff yeah i mean you know 12 factors right you still have to keep those things in mind and as you're building things does it still adhere to those rules i'm looking here i've got you know one of my sets of headphones I, I look back over the last 15 years and realize I have spent a small fortune on headphones, mm-hmm. a lot of headphones for noise canceling. <laughs> and um, I, I did that because I had these huge maps in my head that I'd have to create. You know, I felt like I was walking through Times Square and I had to remember how to go from the ninth floor of this building in the northwest corner across Times Square to the fourth floor of this building. And I had to just like remember all these things with the complex complex architecture. And then, you know, when my wife would tap me on the shoulder to open up a jar, 
it would just all come crumbling down. So I would <laughs> fight to try to keep that mental model in my head. And I'd blast music that made me go more deaf to, you know, try to clear out all the noises and, and to just try to keep myself in the zone. And I thought I'm fighting so hard to work with this complex arena instead of just saying, but what if, Yeah. like, what if I made things really simple that I could put it down and pick it up and, you know, maybe even come to work the next day with a small failing test that I go, okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, uh, I think a lot of, I, I've been exactly where you're talking about recently. We were, uh, in, in my current mob, we were dealing with, um, at least in my experience, very complex data transfer scenarios from all these different systems. And, uh, basically we were coming into an existing system that, uh, in, in my experience had some fragility in that if one part of the house of cards didn't happen just right, it's like the whole thing came crashing down. Right. And it'd be a problem for a customer, right? And it was so hard. So I think at first we were just talking through it and getting lost. And then we started to try to write it down. We were lost and we started to draw it. And that was good because it was like, it's there, but it was so hard. And then I think the big light bulb moment came when we started to automate the tests for certain parts of it, like nice little fast tests, such that it was like, I don't have to keep it all in my head. I don't even need to understand this giant diagram. There are little robots running, making sure each part is right. And if anything's wrong, it'll tell me the exact part that's wrong. Right. And so, um, and so what this, you know, I'm glad you brought up this topic because it's maybe a subsection of a a much broader um, topic for me in regards to the, what what I'm, I guess I'm calling like the coaching paradox. So maybe this is like the coaching paradox with uh, focus and attention. Right. And so I think the paradox is in general that, Hey, it's good to learn to do hard things. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to learn that self-discipline, right? And that ability to, you know, and to be stretching yourself to be able to think deeper, understand more, you know, uh, to take the next step. But it's also you want to make things easy for people, right? And so, um, and so I, I feel I feel the same paradox is maybe going on here with attention, where yes, you want to make it easy, as easy as possible to uh, for a team, a person, a mob to stay focused on the task. But also, if we make it too easy, do they then lack the skills to have focus once they're outside of this pristine, perfect environment, you know, assuming it is pristine and perfect. And so, um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, how do you how do you balance both ends, possibly? <laughs> so so that, that just kind of triggered a thought. And I'm, I'm going to take a, a sharp left turn here. Good. <laughs> uh, but recently, recently, I um, I started to create a presentation called Lazy, Good and Bad. Mm. And, um, and it's kind of a, a spinoff of thinking fast and slow. Mm. Um, if you've read that book, I know that. Um, yeah. And I've been reading a lot of books on psychology. So I'm kind of thinking about like the, you know, the system one brain, the the slow brain and, and our cognitive brain and, and, and the interplay between them and all the things that organizations do to try to um, to help out people who are just naturally lazy. Like humans are lazy. That's just who we are. Our, our bodies, our biology is built to be lazy because we can't process everything. Our eyes can't process everything that they see. So they just take a little bit and put enough together to tell us a story and allow us to move on our day, right? Avoid the, the threats and everything else. And I think about software developers, like 
it's good to have a lazy software developer because they will automate the process that they don't want to, to do. That's mm -hmm. good. But on the other hand, companies will look at, well, we want to make it easy for developers to be lazy. So we'll have a DevOps team build out all of the pipelines. So all they have to do is just add a couple of properties and methods and the system will just work, right? We've seen the matrix. If you just put a couple of properties and methods here, the framework will take care of all of it. Maybe we rub a little code generation on there and, and everything is going to work. Thank God for reflection. <laughs> um, and, and those things are are great until a point where it doesn't work. And then the person who's using it has no recourse. They have to wait to talk to the smart person who built the system because they're just a dummy using it. And maybe they didn't, you know, have the properties set right. So there's there's that really interesting balance between doing something that you understand to make it easier for yourself so you can be lazy, where somebody else is trying to impose laziness upon you without that um, ability to to solve the problems or to even improve the the system because it's it's outside of your control i've got to be careful about inflicting laziness on other people i like that <laughs> i'm writing it down <laughs> yeah and, and that, that's kind of a, a quality uh i think that that i've um developers that are proactively lazy right versus versus not lazy at all like that are that are that work hard and so you know i call i call the the automation of the small tasks proactive laziness um in the sense that it's like you know kind of a uh, a focus on the dry principle right and so it's just never never repeat something that you're you've done like one or two times right um and so, uh, but that's pretty interesting because, because yeah, there's, there's a chain of side effects that happen with, uh, you know, making the whole system lazy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and especially if there is an absence of understanding. So, so that kind of relates to um, uh, that um, idea of, you know, um, laziness being um a focus can, can can also adversely affect the system right yeah 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 and in the world's nuanced right it's uh that's why a lot of things often are proverbs or uh <laughs> you know principles that have general rules with exceptions and that kind of thing because uh -huh. if you think about it like the act of automating something is itself hard right so <laughs> yeah. and so if if you take it too strictly you would never automate anything because you're too lazy to automate it. Right. And so yeah. there, there has, it's like a nuanced selective laziness is what you're going for, I suppose. Right. And I mm -hmm. guess, um, I, you know, I think in terms of where you're going, Dustin earlier with attention. So there is this good allergic reaction to too much work in progress and too much cognitive load. Right. Because that's like almost like a good kind of laziness. Right. Because mm -hmm if you try to just grin and bear it and just like take, you know, Atlas and put the world on your back and try to move it, you know, it, you know, maybe you're growing your, your, your skill to do hard things, but your, the side effects of the side effects is you're generating a bigger batches, larger things in progress, more stress, more things in your head. And like, so to favor ADD in that sense seems really good. Right. Cause you're like, okay, you, you, you do the hard thing to get, a, get a, which is break it down into smaller pieces, whether that's code, whether that's Kanban, whether that's drawings or whatever, uh, you do a hard thing to make it easier <laughs> in the short term and midterm, right? And so 
um, as opposed to just doing the hard thing, pushing it up the hill. Uh, yeah, so it's very nuanced. Um, yeah, and so I, one thing you note you had here that I'd be interested about is um, uh, you noticed that this was more important in the developmental stage. Uh, do you mind uh, expounding more on that? The, the the necessary for laziness and for focus. Um, can't remember. I'm thinking at that point. I meant like the developmental stage, as far as like for the individuals, like for some of the the newer developers coming in. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, I got kids in college now, and I'm I'm hearing the conversations again about like the weed out courses, the yes. courses that are unintentionally hard <clears throat> to get rid of the cruft. <laughs> and um and and I hate that idea. Mm. I, I absolutely hate the idea that we're trying to keep people out of the industry um and and trying to like weed them out early or even when they get into jobs, put them into situations that um that are difficult for even the most uh, experienced people. And uh and I guess for me, I was on a team at one point where I realized um I had more aggregate years of experience than like the t entire team of a dozen developers. And that, that made me feel a little bit old, but a lot of them were in that three to 18 month period. And, uh, and as they would confide in me, they felt stupid. They felt bad. They felt like they didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And, and that wasn't true. You know, when, when I was able to help them focus on a, a simple problem to solve or, or scope it down, they would do really well. Mm -hmm but they would see some of the other people just rambling on about all the other different types of things. And they go, well, why can't I think all of them? You don't need to just, just focus on this type of thing and, and get, you know, like Woody says, you know, turn up the good, find, find your own successes. It was, it was interesting when people would find that they would feel good about that and they would keep building on it. But when you would expect them to compensate for the lack of leadership and, and mm -hmm. organizational focus, then they would naturally blame themselves or the people who were leading would blame them. And it's just so unhealthy and so unnecessary. And we're losing really good people out of the industry when we need so many more. There, mm -hmm. there is no stop to the, the appetite for good software. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think we, we need it. So we don't want to thin the herd, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, one thing that jumps to mind for me with this is I like your example of the weed out uh, classes, right? And I feel like I've seen two versions of that. There's the bad version where if you kind of return to, uh, uh, it's shown up in history in several different forms, but I like Willem's phrasing of it with uh, the fluent edge versus like going beyond that to like frustration zone. And then if you're not in the fluent edge of learning, you're like bored, right? And so yeah. I think the negative version of the weed out class is it's just complete overwhelmed way into the frustration zone. And they're just like, deal with it. <laughs> You're going like 10 steps above where somebody is. And there's no attempt for accessibility. There's no attempt for, hey, here's the next step to, you know, step one, two, and three to, you know, and in a few months, we'll get to 10. And, you know, here's someone to guide you and help you in that kind of thing. And I, I have seen the good version of those where it's a challenging class, but there's a very well laid out path for, Here's, here's time and places for people to help you get the next step to get there. You know, this is challenging, but, you know, this is hard, but we're here to help. And here are the ways to get there. And there, there's an accessibility to that fluent edge through a challenging, uh, you know, adventure. Um, and so I think, I think you're right. So if someone's in the development stage, new, new into the career, 
we don't want to make them bored. <laughs> we want mm-hmm. to challenge them, but we want to give them tools to uh, succeed while they do so. Um, yeah, right on. Um, yeah, and I guess this might be a good time to jump to uh, the next topic, which is uh, improving interpersonal skills. Uh, so well, what's been your experience here? Yeah, for, um, and I think that this kind of applies with, you know, pairing, mobbing, whatever, just just working with other people. Um, you guys had talked previously, I think it was with Claire, um, where you had shared one of the models where you have somebody solve a problem first. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they will solve it again with a group where they can articulate it. Mm-hmm. And, and I found that um, I like that idea a lot because I found that a lot of the issues that people will have with working in groups are because they learned technology. Mm-hmm. They, they learned code. Like that's the thing that they focus on. Um, you wouldn't want to buy a car from a mechanic because they're going to tell you about the, the spark plugs and the horsepower and the compressions and all that type of stuff. And, and you might just want to know, where do I push the button to start it? And, and how do I make it go? How do I make it stop? And where do I put my cups? Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes the level of conversation can be a little bit different depending on the audience yeah. or the ability to articulate your thoughts when you're doing these things that are just muscle memory and natural, mm-hmm. I, I find are, are really, really interesting where some of the katas can help with that, yeah, especially that, if you do the same one a couple of times. Go ahead. That, uh, that example came from our interview process. So we would get people more, you know, later in their career that would, uh, you know, that had no experience mobbing, right? So they had lots of experience with code, but no experience mobbing. And then they come in and, uh, I, you know, I think that in many cases that there was this uh, kind of feeling that they've never had to say out loud what they were doing before. Uh, (laughs) And so, uh, you know, so as as kind of a soft ramp up, it's like, you know, just write this and and they have no problem doing it. And then and then it's like, okay, now tell somebody else to write it is just to get them into that mode of thinking that way. And and often that's that that's been a um, you know a, a nice little communication uh, ramp up that that people need because rather than getting flustered on kind of the first you know difficult problem, um, and so so it's kind of an interesting thing. But uh, you know I think gradually over time we've found these little little techniques to kind of bring people into that mode of verbalizing uh, code. Um, which ha- has helped them kind of build on on top of those past things, um, and you know th- that's not even considering the interpersonal difficulties that can come up between people mm-hmm. in general, right? Well, and as a, an industry for software developers, um, a lot of us got into this because we didn't have to deal with people because maybe that wasn't <laughs> our strengths. Um, I've, I've got to work with a lot of developers and, uh, I found a lot of people who are, you know, at various points on the spectrum mm-hmm. and, you know, one of them had gotten a promotion and we were congratulating him and he said, and I'm not going to try to do his impression to, but in a very monotone, straight face voice, he said, thank you. I didn't know what was going on. I can't read people's reactions. When the, my manager brought me into the room, I didn't know if I was getting fired or promoted. Mm. And I've, I've learned that from some other people as well, where um, Ryan Bergman, Ryber on Twitter, 
had shared something one time where he had kind of shared some of his own struggles. And he goes, I can't always read people. So I've learned some tricks. I ask them how they're feeling. And then when they tell me, I believe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's just, you know, there's, there's that whole spectrum and, you know, that communication can either be in the area of uh, how can I communicate my thoughts, my intention, the code that we're writing, and then also, you know, focusing on the interpersonal communication on the teams. And, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely hard. And I can definitely understand why people will want to get away from that stuff, especially if they're not prepared for that, if they don't have any practice, if they don't have any experience in it. Um, it it's a distraction. And sometimes people would rather just write the code and and locally optimize, right? Stay in the zone that they're most comfortable in. And it might not be the best thing for the team or for the organization, but it sure feels good right here. And that's what we want to stick with. Yeah. yeah. And, and then and kind of returning to what you're saying earlier with the katas, where it's such a great place to start for a team. And uh, what Chris was talking about with the interview scenario, that is such a great icebreaker, right? Because yeah, if you... Because some people are like, why would you, why would you do FizzBuzz Kata again? Like, what's the, what's the point? It's so simple. Exactly. Right. So if we take everything in the system and make it so simple, except the interpersonal interactions, right. Then you, then you're right on that fluent edge for learning that skill, whether it's as simple as um, verbalizing your code. So like what you were saying before is I think people probably have a lot of practice um, thinking to themselves at a low to moderate level and then at a high level speaking to others. So I'm at a status meeting. Oh, I've worked on, there's A, B, and C to do, I've done A. You know what I mean? Like that's very different communication skill than uh, I'm struggling to think through a problem. Here's where I'm at right now. Here's my current stream of consciousness. I think I'm going towards A and the next step kind of looks like this. What do you think? You know, like that's, that's a totally different um, interpersonal skill that kind of opens the door for collaboration and that kind of feedback. What's great about those katas is it really um, simplifies that. And people see how obvious, I love that quote you gave where it was like, I asked people how they're feeling and I believe it, right? And so it gives a really concrete example of, oh, I said to create a function and someone created a function, you know? (laughs) And I said why I was thinking to do it and they understood. And it goes back to what you're saying before. It's really accessible uh, ways to understand and be understood And uh, I like what I think it was Mike Clement said before, that if you're so used to communicating in code, it's almost easier to communicate it in code and then understand each other afterwards. (laughs) And so um, it's a great bridge to building those interpersonal skills because you start with things you know, right? And then you branch out. And um, I I think it's, it's really interesting thing, the whole, I wrote code to be away from people. And so unless you're a superstar who can create an entire system or you're making a really system, mm-hmm. you eventually don't get away from people. You're just turning it into asynchronous, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that has its own challenges. Um, what are ways you, you have break, broken the ice with people who are more resistant to joining that first kata or just like, oh, it's not for me or, um, you know, how do you, you generally approach things like that? I've run into some scenarios where I would run into tech leads who are neither technical nor leaders, and they would push back on joining the katas um, because they realized that they would be exposed. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, no, you can you can do that with my developers, right? Just you, you, you let the developers do that thing. And we'd get in and we would do FizzBuzz. 
Um, and they would they would struggle with that because they didn't really have it. So it was kind of that protective mechanism that they would put up there. But sometimes I would say, well, I mean, if you're the leader, you should be able to model those behaviors and show your team how to do this stuff right. Um, usually the conversations work better in, in private uh, where you're able to kind of enable them to, to still be confident and, and the leader if they need to be. But um, it, it, you can't force it. You can't coerce it. Uh, you know, you get the people in there and you turn up the good. And as other people see it working, they they lean on it more. But your FizzBuzz example was great. It reminds me of the original Karate Kid movie, you know, wax on, wax off. <laughs> it's not about the waxing. <laughs> you know, like the thing that you're doing, it's not about that. It's not about the FizzBuzz. It's not about the method. It's about the thing that goes into building the method. And I go, oh, and, and that's, that happens so often. The, the thing that you're focused on, you're not focused on the right thing. It's the yeah. other thing. And, uh, you know, regarding katas, uh, I think some really cool things that I've seen with uh, Willem's uh, mob programming RPG mm -hmm. is that there you can't progress until you focus on th the the more interpersonal stuff as well through that and so uh it's like it's still a kata but um it significantly draws focus away from the um uh from the code but you're still working on code and it's a pretty interesting effect because i've seen groups of people playing the game and they they realize like oh you know it, it's it's about you know, filtering out uh, the ideas and, and boiling it down to one and communicating. So, so the conversation ends up going away from, you know, what is, what, what should happen in FizzBuzz to how should we be interacting? And so I, I thought that was a really cool um, effect on that. Nice. I, I was fortunate enough to work with Willem at a previous client for a little bit. We had some overlap in the same area and, uh, and it was fun to watch him and one other person take a team out and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to have our team just doing it, right? We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about how we're doing all the things, how we're setting up the combat board. We're just going to jump in and do it. And, you know, it, it is like, that is the the best approach to just jump in and do it. And the teams did really well, mm -hmm. um, right up until the point where, you know, leaders had to flex their power and slowly started cherry picking people and decimating the team and, and breaking it. And it was, it, it's hard. It, mm -hmm. It's hard to still lean into those things to say, even if we're doing it well, you still have to have the environment which supports it. And it, it's such a brittle process. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I think uh, it's almost like uh, wherever I'm at there, the, I've never been at a place that's uh, reached ideal perfection utopia. You know, mm -hmm. there's no such place. There's always room for improvement. There's always things you notice that could be better. There's always problems. And it's just, where are you at on whatever curve, right? And so, but no matter where you're at, it's always, okay, where are we? What would be the next best thing on the one thing on the Kanban to try to take us to the next step, right? And so, you know, even worst of the worst, moderate, best of the best, there's always, okay, we're here. Where's the next pay? Where's the next step, right? You know, and so just trying to create that little micro environment, even if it's just yeah. you and one other person. <laughs> Um, we had a, um, a friend join our team yeah. one time and we, we tried the whole, uh, least qualified implementer and we were, we were shifting our data center to AWS Europe. And this was the day, like we'd been working on that. We had AWS US set up, we had migrated everything over. Now we want to run in Europe. 
And uh, when Mike came in on his first day, I said, hey, Mike, you know how, um, how it's a great environment if you can write code and push it to production on your first day? And he goes, great, we're pushing code to prod. And I said, no, we're pushing prod. <laughs> Moving it over. <laughs> I said, yeah, today, today we're, uh, we're launching it, right? We've, we've done all the work. We've set up our web services to be able to look for the data in AWS Europe. And if it's there, it'll use it. Otherwise it won't. All we need to do is just spin everything up and start ingesting the data. And he was like, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, great. Well, here's, here's the big green button you push. He goes, well, what if something goes wrong? I said, here are the TVs. They, they green, good, red, bad. <laughs> and he's like, well, what if we need more data? I said, uh, you're, you're on the email group, so you'll get it and you can go to that website locally and you can click into it. And sure enough, you push the button and everything starts growing, growing, growing. You know, jobs are being built. Uh, we had a whole Jankception there where Jenkins were creating Jenkins and all, all the fun stuff. And then all of a sudden, red, 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 red. And we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> And on his first day, he was able to go through and he goes, it says here, you're missing a firewall port and we need to call these people. And sure enough, that was the one part that was uh, uh, not automated, another team. And they gave us the whole, you know, you got to submit a ticket on the third Thursday of the odd month and all that. And, you know, we were able to come back and say, no, we, we did it. You just screwed it up like you had screwed up previously. And then it was a pause and they go, uh, try it again. <laughs> and I didn't really reflect on that. Like that was just logical for us at the point. It wasn't until months later that I reflected. I was like, mm -hmm. that was really cool. Yeah. And and we weren't bragging about it at the time either. We, we were just thinking, ah, yeah, there are a couple of things that were kind of stucky about that. What could we do better? And mm -hmm. that, that was to your point, right? Long story to your point. <laughs> Good it, story. it is. It's just like, well, but what else could we have done? Like, what else could we make this better with a little bit of investment? So, you know, maybe maybe the person who's kicking it off isn't a senior developer with 20 years experience. Maybe it's somebody with five years of ex or five months of experience who goes, well, this obviously is telling us the problem. Have we tried here? Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Right on. Yeah. Which is it's completely different from like automation for test coverage purposes. You know, it's, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed those CD moments where you... Uh deploy and it goes well or it doesn't go well right um, because either way you you learn a ton and it's always fun um <clears throat> and it causes a lot of light bulb moments um well we can keep going on but we are starting to hit our time box dustin but it's been fantastic having you on the show yeah. is there anything you'd like to uh share a plug before we close um you know i'll be i've got a couple of uh different user groups that I'll be speaking at. We've got software Seattle code crafters coming up and uh, DevOps Day Des Moines, if anybody's going to be in those areas. Uh, that conference online as well. And I'm going to be the chair for the Agile Online Summit for the sustainability track. And if anybody is interested in uh, pitching presentations for that, I think that we're having a call for speakers soon. And I believe that we're looking at very early November for that conference. So if people are interested in that, uh, please reach out. Would love to keep uh, bringing in fresh ideas and, and learning from other people. All right. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Uh, as with my previous conversations with you before, Dustin, I learned so much. So thank you for uh, joining us today. It was a great time. Uh, so to our audience, uh, where what's your opinions? You know, uh, where have you seen learning by doing work well? Where has it, where, where has it not worked well? Where have you seen working, uh, favoring ADHD work well and not work well? 
Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, or your thoughts, your opinions on YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. Um, and if you'd like to share this episode with somebody uh, who's uh, considering learning more by doing or uh, thinking about how to improve the interpersonal skills of his team uh, and uh, like subjects, please share this with them. Please like, subscribe, and uh, uh, hit the notification bell. And until next time, uh, mob well, everyone, and have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone.